I wanted to share a quick vision that I had uh, right in this place, right there uh, at the altar on Tuesday with my elders. My elders and I meet every Tuesday. I will say this. Our elders have met. Uh, we've not quit since January 1 of this year, all the way through a pandemic. We did not quit. We came here. We met, and we begin to pray. We, we haven't stopped since, and we're not going to. So um, and in, at the end of each of our times, we have three cycles of prayer that we do typically in our prayer time, three different cycles um, that we run through. And each and every one of those, when they end, I'll ask the guys, hey, what did God show you something? Did you have a vision? Did you get an inclination? Did you feel a lead of the Lord, a scripture? Did you have an impression? Uh, anything, talk to me. And, and many times they will give me incredible things that God has shown. And by the way, things that I've preached, I probably didn't give them credit for it, but I've preached it because it was the word of the Lord. On this particular Tuesday night, last Tuesday, I had a vision. In the vision, I saw a newspaper. And it had a heading on it. And the heading was the most violent summer in American history. And, of course, that troubled me instantly. And the guys, are all, we're all praying so they don't know I'm having this little encounter. And, um, and I saw that. And I stopped because I wanted to say something immediately, but I felt that there was more to it. And instantly I received more instruction. And that was this, that the Lord was saying, that's not my headline. That's not what I'm predicting. That's the devil's headline. That's what the enemy is predicting for America this summer. What I want you to do is begin to pray because the Bible talks about those that stand in the gap. Now, gap stander was a soldier that would stand in a breach in a wall. Y'all hear what I'm saying today? And a prayer warrior is somebody who will stand in the breach and say, not today, devil. You're not walking through this. You're not coming through this wall. You're not attacking my children or my family or my church or my city or my community. Somebody say Amen. I'm willing to put myself on the line and stand in the gap. And that's exactly what God expects of his people. So he's seeking for those that will stand in the gap. Today, God, let me just say something. God loves everybody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. He loves everybody. But there's a special attention in this day and age that God's given upon a remnant of people that will stand up. And you're going to hear me talk a lot more about the remnant in the future. A remnant of people. It's not about all the numbers. I'm going to tell you something about numbers. They fade by tomorrow. No, 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 not about numbers. It's about those that have a backbone that will stand up and do what is right and say what is right and be in the right place with God and, 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 and begin to begin to and be obedient to what God asks them to do. And that's the remnant church. I believe that. And I believe that God's calling those people to begin to pray like never before. We can actually turn things around in America. Um, these are unusual times for sure. And for a lot of people, they are, they are fearful with God's people, they can be fearful, uh, alarming, concerning, can cause us to worry because there's so many intangibles, there's so many unknowns. You know, we used to be able to say, well, we think this is going to happen, but by the end of the week, everything changes. News cycles every 24 hours. Listen, every, every 24, that used to be, that was 10 years ago. It's every five minutes there's a news cycle change. It's happening like this. There's all kinds of things happening in not only the world but in America because as goes America goes the world. When will we understand that church? Where is the American church? Because at the end of the day, it's how we navigate is how the rest of the world catches on. And um, I, um, five years ago, began to preach and prophesy about a shift. Not a shift that was going to happen but a shift that had already begun. And those who have been with me for a while, you'll know. I even had a conference called Shift. And God began to give me revelation about, 
uh, about how we're to begin to expect transition. That transition is where we're at in the body of Christ. We're not where we were, but we're not yet where we're supposed to be. We're somewhere in this flux, in this place where we're not, we don't quite know exactly what's happening yet. So now the prophet's got to stand up. Do we got some people who can understand what's going on in the realm of the spirit? Some prophesiers, some seers out there to know what God is saying. Because God says, I do nothing unless I, I give it to my, I reveal it to my prophets first. And so I begin to prophesy this, that it was beginning to take place. Now, I'll be honest with you. I didn't see everything. and Nobody does. Uh, I didn't expect COVID. I didn't expect uh, uh, Black Lives Matter to be like this. I had, no expect- I had no expectation of any of that. All I knew was to be prepared for a shift. But the Bible does say first the natural, then comes the spiritual. Okay? So what we see happening in our streets, only know that God knew beforehand. So, <laughs> church, if you, if you really only knew who the God was that you were serving, come on, y'all, you'd have nothing to be afraid of. You'd know that he made you the head and not the tail and above only and not beneath, that he, he made you the apple of his eye and that you're a royal diadem and a jewel of his crown, that you are the hidden treasure in the field. Come on, y'all. For 400 years, for 400 years in Egypt, um, we see that God's people went into cruel bondage. Now, it was predicted that was going to happen because of their disobedience under Abraham. And so they then were subjugated and they were taken in as slaves. And for 400 generations, y'all, 400 years of being enslaved by the Egyptians, okay? The pharaohs used them uh, to build their, their, their temples and their buildings and their walls and, their, and uh, all of their, their altars and, and all, of their, all of their gold and jewelry came from them. And, 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 and it was all about their ego. So the pharaohs were hard taskmasters in order to get free labor. And, and I'm not trying to draw a conclusion of what's happening right now, but you'll hear the rest of this in just a moment. And so God's, the Bible says God heard the cries of the less fortunate. He heard the cries of those that were in bondage, his people. And God said enough is enough. He had pity. And when God has pity, he always raises up a voice. Now, I'm going to say this, this today because it needs to be said if anything is going to get done in our streets today with all the rioting that's going on, all the marching and protests that's going on, and we're, look, we love the fact that change is on the horizon. But there's a whole other part of the story that has to be told. And what I'm looking for now is some leadership to arise. Y'all didn't hear that because it got a little political. But, but there has to be somebody that has the voice like a Dr. Martin Luther King or a Malcolm X or somebody that you can negotiate with because you can't negotiate with a mob. i leave that with you. But, but the Bible says that God raised up a man who was actually in the courts of Pharaoh, was raised as a son of the house of Pharaoh by the name of Moses. Y'all say Moses. And Moses was now, he was exiled from the kingdom, uh, and he's now minding his own business one day. He's a shepherd, and he's going past a bush. And he sees this bush that's on fire. It's, it's, it's on fire. It's on fire, but it's not being consumed. It intrigues him. He moves closer to it. And the Bible says that God spoke through this burning bush. And on the burning bush, he said, I'm here to let you know I am the God of your fathers. 
and I'm here to let you know it's time for my people to be set free. And I'm going to raise you up to be a deliverer in your own right. Now go to Pharaoh and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. Hey, and when God said that, it obviously sparked some attention in Moses. And Moses said this word, but who shall I tell him sent me? He said, when you get there and you knock on that door, you tell him, I am, I am, that I am has sent you. So when he gets there, knocks on the door of Pharaoh, I'm going to surmise this because there's too much to get into right now. We'll put it in modern-day vernacular. He says to Moses, who's in charge here? And when he says, who's in charge here, he says, I am. Y'all don't want to hear that either. I'm here to tell these two or three people today that when God gives you something, he gives you a voice to speak with his authority, and you literally stand in the stead of God and in the name of Jesus. That's the problem with your household today. You're not standing up and be the voice of God in your home, on the streets, in your job, in your churches. Come on. Not too bad preacher for 25% capacity today. I am has sent you. Exodus 20 verse 7 says this, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Look, I was taught as a kid, I was raised in a Christian household. I was taught as a kid, I was taught, boy, you, don't you ever, don't you ever, never, ever take the Lord's name in vain. How many was ever raised like that? You take the Lord's name in vain, you're going straight to hell, son. There will be no repentance. The devil will just suck you right into hell itself. And if you're around people that speak in taking the name of the Lord in vain, you'll be sucked into hell itself. Because why? We considered it was a cuss word. People say Jesus Christ, and they would use it as a cuss word. Or they would say, excuse me, but this is what they say. God damn. Now, damn just means judge. When you damn somebody, you damn them. It means you judge them. That's all that really means. But we use it as a cuss word, and it's terrible. Oh, I hate hearing, I don't like to hear the word, to this day, I don't like the Jesus, I will. Christians that say Jesus Christ in anger, you better check your salvation. I don't know how in the world. I, I still believe I'm old-fashioned that way. And I'm going to tell you something, back in those days, you messed up like, you, you ever just cuss in your household, let alone say the name of the Lord in vain. In my home, you didn't get a spanking. No, 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 you got a whooping. How many know what I'm talking about, about a whooping? There is a difference between a spanking little spanky, and a whooping. A whooping is where you're terrified. Your whole body shakes. I'm talking about a 1975 whooping. Why? Because in the 70s, come on, y'all, nobody cared about kids getting whooped. That was, just, that was just good parenting right there. Your mother would spank you. Your dad would spank you. Your auntie would spank you. Your uncle would spank you. Your neighbor had to spank you sometimes. Sometimes your teacher at school had to spank you. I wouldn't know anything about that. Everybody got whipped in the middle of, of, of Kmart. You'd see two or three mothers be whipping their kids in aisle seven, aisle six, and aisle ten. And nobody, there was a, you better get them, get on them. Kids are terrible. Am I right? But, but they don't understand that today. But I'm not talking about a cuss word. Look, look what it says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13. I'm going to break this down today. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I am? The Son of Man am. Watch this. So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
He said to them, but who do you say that I am? This is important language. Jesus announces who he is as the I am 11 times in Scripture. By the way, using the name of Jesus, watch this, I'll tie it all together. Using the name of Jesus changes everything. Little experiment. Tomorrow at work, at your lunch break, if, you, if you're in essential, you're part, so go back to work. Just start talking about Jesus and see what happens at the break room. You can talk about God. You can talk about Buddha. You can talk about Krishna. You can talk about affairs of life. You can talk about anything, but just mention Jesus or Trump. Not put them in the same place. Trump probably caused a lot of controversy. But I'm saying Jesus in the spiritual realm will completely change the atmosphere Because Jesus always brings a dividing. He either is who he says he is or he is not. When, when I was uh, heathen and didn't serve the Lord, I, um, uh, my wife had gotten saved. Many, many of you have heard this, this story before. But my wife had gotten saved and, and or she just came back to the Lord. And, uh, and I, wasn't, I wasn't coming back. I was, I was lost. I was out there in the world. I wanted to be in the world. I loved God, but I just didn't want to serve him. Because serve means i got to change. I didn't want to change. I want to live for me. I don't want to live for God. I want to live for myself, right? Just keeping it real. So, but I had been out in the world for so long, I didn't know how much the world had got in me. So my wife now, she's turned on the things of God. She's on fire. She's now, her, my mother and her are now prayer partners. Now, I didn't know this at the time. But they become prayer partners. Guess what their subject was? Jeff Bodine. Come on, someone say amen. I was going to be the subject. So I became what they prayed for. And we were just talking about this a couple days ago. I became what they prayed for. Now, I, I used to drink some beer, y'all. I used to drink beer. Some of y'all still drink beer. That's between you and the Almighty. I don't, I don't care. As long as you're over 21, amen. But my thing is this. I, I liked it. So I was out there. I was at an Italian restaurant, and I was having my pizza I want to have my beer. So I asked the waiter, I said, can you get me a, I want a low brow. Give me a low brow. So they poured me a nice draft, you know, low and brow. Poured it in, oh, it was good and sudsy. It was cold, the glass is cold. You know how the devil is. Devil tempt you. I started drinking that thing, and I was like, oh, my God. I want to spit it out. I said, this is the worst tasting thing I ever tasted in my mouth ever in my life. She goes, it's bad. I said, something wrong with it. I said, excuse me, excuse me. can you get me a Miller they said, yeah, we'll get you a miller. So they poured me a miller. Got that thing, took one sip. Oh, my God. This is worse than the last one I had. She said, what's it taste like? I said, it tastes like sweaty socks. She goes, how do you know what sweaty socks How they taste? I said, I don't know how they taste. But if I can imagine it, this is what it tastes like. And so I noticed she starts smiling while I'm drinking, trying to drink this beer. And I know, oh, God, no. She'd been praying. She'd been praying. She didn't know what I did? I drank that beer. It was the worst tasting thing I ever got, but I drank it down just to spite her prayer. My mother and her got together and said, Lord, in the name of Jesus, every time that boy takes one drink of alcohol, it's going to be the most foul thing that's ever been in his mouth in his life. I didn't know that. Don't tell me prayer don't work, y'all. You get the power agreement with somebody and stuff begins to change, and when you use his name, Heaven and earth will begin to align. <laughs> so I come home from work. I'm not serving God. 
I'm bad mood, something happened, don't remember what it was, years ago. And um, my wife's on the phone with my mother. And I, all I kept hearing was, Jesus this and Jesus that. And yes, Jesus and Jesus and Jesus. And he's so great. Jesus is the best thing ever. Jesus. Over and over. And I'm about to lose my mind. I am, a, I am about ready to crawl out of my skin. I can't take it. I'm like, get off the phone. Get off the phone. Get She's like, I got to go, Mom, right now. But bless you. In Jesus' name. I don't know what she said, but that's how I heard it. She got off that phone. I threw them. I had bills in my hand. I threw them on there. And I said, don't you do that. She said, what am I doing? I said, don't you say that name like that. And then I was like, what in the world am I going to say now? And I came out of my mouth. I said, it don't work when you say it that much. You know when you hear yourself say something, you go, where in the world did that come from? Somehow I picked up a devil somewhere that got in me, and that devil in me did not like the Jesus she was talking about. Why? Because when you mention his name, everything around you is subject and begins to change. What did she do? She just smiled and kept going her way, praise God. You know, when you start agitating folks in the name of Jesus, you know you're getting somewhere. Let's break this down. There's 11 times where Jesus tells us who he is, quickly. First, we see it in John 6, 35. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. The bread will sustain you. The bread will satisfy you. The bread will restore you. The bread will nourish you. The bread will save you. Everybody say, pass me some bread. The bread in Scripture is symbolic of the word of God. Remember, Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's not enough to pick up your Bible and read it like an allegory or some historical book. you got to pick up that Bible and hear the word of God that proceeds from his mouth. You need divine revelation. And church, the truth is, we don't need one more word from God. I know that may shock you coming from a preacher. What we need is revelation of the word that we've been receiving. we got so much word until we don't even, can't even think straight. There's word everywhere, but the problem is we don't have enough revelation. The Canaanite woman, the Canaanite woman went to Jesus and she says, Jesus, please. And he's been ministering all day and they got people everywhere. And she said, please come to my home and, and touch my daughter for she is severely demon possessed. And she hurts herself and I need some help. And, and, and he don't answer her a word. Doesn't say a word to her. Not a word. And the disciples saw that. You know, they saw this and they said, Lord, tell us to tell her to get out of here. She's bothering you. You know what they thought? They thought they were assuming that the fact that he didn't answer her right away and he didn't want nothing to do with her. What he wanted was her to dig a little bit deeper than what she was at. And you might be in a place right now in your life that you're saying, God, where are you? What's going on? You ain't answered nothing. God may have said to you, he's going to do such and such, but what he wants is for you to dig a little bit deeper and you use your faith and get a word out of heaven for you that will change your life forever. It's called revelation knowledge. Everybody say revelation. And he said, it's not good that I give the, the bread to the, to, the, to the dogs, the little dogs. Well, that was basically like cussing her out, calling her a little dog. And she didn't get mad. She was desperate. And when you get desperate, you don't get offended very easily. 
And no one's going to shut you down easily either. I'd like to see the disciples try to get her out of there. She was on a mission. And she said these words. Now watch, she digged a little bit deeper. She got something out of heaven. She said, yes, Lord. But even the little dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. The crumbs come from the bread, the loaf. It's not the whole, but it's a piece of the whole. And all you need is one word from God that will do what? He said, go home. Your daughter is healed this very hour. And the devil came out of her. All you need is one word of revelation to change your situation. I'm preaching better than most of y'all shouting today. And, and, and a crumb, a crumb that falls, just to give you a little more information, are all different sizes. Different, You know, one crumb don't look like the other. They're unique. A revelation is unique to you. Next, in, first, in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light. I am the bread. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Remember, Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So no matter how dark it gets, church, he is the light. If you turn the lights off in this room, it gets pretty dark. There's no outside light. So it will be very difficult to navigate, but Jesus comes on the scene, and now you can see where once you were groping, now you can see where you need to go. Church, you never have to be afraid because he is the light in the darkness. He is the brightness in the fog. He is the piercing rays through the clouds. He is the illumination in the chaos and the confusion. He is the revelation of God, of who God is to the entire world. That's why you call on him because he brings light when the world looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket, like it looks so dark. It's not dark. Turn the light on. Next in John chapter 10 verse 9, Jesus said, I am am the door. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Let me ask you this. What good is a house without a door? All the beautiful furniture and beautiful things inside and even the food that may be sitting on the table, wonderful. But if you have no access to it, what good is it? All of heaven and all of its glory and all the things that God can do for your life. But if you have no access to it, before Jesus, we did not have access. But Jesus became the door. The door speaks of entering into a new reality or a new atmosphere or a new dimension. Have you ever went into the house of somebody and when you walked in through the threshold of that door, the atmosphere was different from where you were just standing a moment ago? How is that possible? You walk into one place and you'll start feeling the confusion, the chaos. You start feeling sad, depressed, discouraged. How is that when it's the exact same GPS location? Why? Because that access has ownership on the other side. I can't get into all that. But Jesus is the door that opens to a new reality. And that new reality is, in fact, the spirit realm, or in fact, we could say it this way, is the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God does not rule the same way the kingdom of men is. That's why if you don't like what's going on in your world, you can change it. The kingdom of God, Jesus opens the door to a new reality of how you can live your life. 
Next, I got to keep going. John chapter 10, verse 11. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Gives his life for the sheep. The Bible says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I'm going to say it one more time. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. The shepherd guides, provides, hides, and satisfies. The shepherd leads, bleeds, feeds, and meets the needs. The shepherd inspects, protects, selects, and expects. If you understand that Jesus takes care of every single earthly need you have, you understand you have a good shepherd. Your daddy is not the one to be the example of how your real father will treat you. And if he wasn't there for you, just know this. God said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. You can bank everything on him. He's not going to leave you out there to dry. Somebody say amen. amen. Jesus is a good shepherd, and he supplies all of our needs. How many needs? All our needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. How many needs? That means every need you have. Watch this. Every need. The Bible says he, he'll do what? He'll, he'll supply, which means he fill to the full all the way to the top. I know this church is getting me pretty loud and clear. At home, are you understand what I'm saying? He'll fill to the full all the way to the top. Every what? Need. That word need means every business endeavor and every financial distribution. Every need you got, he fills to the full according to his what? His riches. Not yours. His riches in glory. Somebody shout, he's my shepherd. Next in John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. I want to prophesy this morning. Whatever has died prematurely in your life shall live again. If God was in it, it will come back. Jesus died at 33 years old, but his mission wasn't over. God resurrected him up out of the grave. Therefore, he is the ultimate, consummate resurrection and the life. It may look like you can't get it back. It may look like it's over. It may look like it's the end. But I'm reminded of what God did with Ezekiel. And took him to a valley, the Bible says. And the Bible says it's called the Valley of Dry Bones. So this valley had been, had been bleaching that, the, the sun had been bleaching that valley for many years until nothing but bones of men dried up, no flesh, nothing but bleached bones. And he says to his, his servant, he said, can these bones live? And he looks and says, only you know, Lord. In other words, he wasn't sure how to answer that question. You might be looking at your situation going, there ain't nothing but dry bones. Ain't no way that's ever come to life again. I might as well just go ahead and move on. I guess that was the best part of my life, and now i got to move on. But God is saying it once again. Can these bones live? Can that circumstance be changed by me? And he said, you know, Lord. He said, then if I know, go ahead and prophesy. 
and speak life to these bones and speak that these bones shall live. And he prophesied over the dead bones, over the dead situation. The Bible said that God began to breathe life like a wind across those bones. And next thing he knows, there's a rattling and a shaking and the bones come together and they stood up and became a mighty army. I'm preaching too hard this morning. It's way too hard. No need to sweat so hard, preacher. Just get your point across without yelling so much. You'll be just okay. Or maybe I just got some passion on the inside of me that says tomorrow's going to be a better day. And I don't care what it looks like in America or in the church or in my life. I know my God is able. Church, it may look like that ministry is over, but God is about to breathe the resurrection power back into again. It may look like that marriage is over and done, but God is about to breathe restoration back into it again. It may look like your relationship with your kids have been broken, but God's about to breathe healing and, to, and restoration into that brokenness again. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is alive. Somebody shout Jesus. That'll make the devil nervous. You know what else it did? It made some Christians in here nervous too. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We should need to be preaching on that. But in the church, that's got to be preached too. Because the church has allowed strange religion to come into it. Strange ways of believing that are not of God's spirit. Got great concerns about our theology today and people's willingness to embrace other things and other religions and still call themselves a Christian. You can't. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You cannot. Your eternal mortality is invested in one or the other. He said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. I remember sitting in a movie about six years ago, five, six years ago, and I'm sitting in this movie, and it was, a, it was like a Clash of Titans type of movie. I can't remember the name. Clash of, it's like, you know, all these different gods coming together. And God spoke to me. He said, this will be what it's like in the days ahead. He said, it will not be atheism. They're going to find too much about me. It will not be about atheism. Right now it is. It will not be in the future. It will be polytheism. It will be about many gods. And we're going to hear that. You're going to see it more and more and more. Are you going to adopt these other ways? I will tell you this. There are many ways to God. There are many ways to God. But all those ways lead to Jesus. And if they don't lead to Jesus, that's God's mercy. He's got many ways to lead to his son that leads to God, and there's only one God, and his name is Jehovah, Yahweh, who sits on the clouds and judges the earth, who is the creator of all things that exist, that ever existed, that ever will exist. Someone say amen. And that's why he said, I will have no other gods before me. If you're watching this today, and maybe you just tuned in, I'm here to tell you Jesus is the way. And he loves you so very much. Give your life to him today. He will make a difference. In John 15, 5, Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Statement. A fruitless life is a frustrated life. 
If you're frustrated, it's because you're not bearing fruit. And if you're not bearing fruit as a believer, it's because you're not totally plugged into the vine. Jesus said, I am the vine. You are the branches. You've got to realize that what you produce is proof positive of what you're connected to. Whatever you produce, it comes out of what you're connected to. Well, you know, I, I'm an apple tree. That's what I am. Really? Where's the apples? How come there's pears on your tree? I'm an apple tree. I don't say about that. No, your fruit tells us who you are. Am I preaching all right right now? So you can tell me all day how much of an apple tree you are, but until you produce apples, you're not an apple tree. If you tell me you're a Christian all day long until you produce Christ-like behavior, I'm going to go ahead and stand right behind here. By the way, what's in you will come out of you during a time of pressure. When pressure is on, whatever's in you is coming out of you, just like your tube of toothpaste we hope you use this morning, praise God. When you apply pressure to that sucker, what comes out of it? Whatever's in it. The contents is displayed. The contents is exposed when the pressure is applied. That's how we know who you are in traffic. Why are you standing up, elder? Sit down. We don't want to know who you are. I didn't say confess your sin today. Am I right? When the pressure's on, if cuss is in you, cuss will come out of you. If, if, if the word is in you, the word's going to come out of you. I'm just going to get ahead and move to the next subject here. Almost done. Revelations 1, 11, 17, and 18 says this. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches. We're in Asia. To Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, and Philadelphia, and Laodicea. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Let me summarize what does that say to us? It means this. What he starts, he finishes. What he starts, he finishes. If he ever gave you a promise, he will complete it. He's a promise keeper. If he ever spoke it in his word, he will fulfill it for you. If he's ever started something in you, he will be faithful to finish it. Our God is not a man that he should lie or the son of man that he should repent. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. So whatever he's given you, hang on. Don't quit. You know, sink into it. Get some tenacity and hold on and say, my God, can't lie. Revelation 22, 16, Jesus said, I, Jesus, have sent my angels to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Jesus not only is the vine, 
but the vine, but he is also the root. The root is the viability and the stability of the plant or the tree. The root is, if you'll hear me, is more important than the tree that bears the fruit. Well, that's not true. Well, the tree might give you a harvest for one or two years, but if we get a problem, ever get a problem with the root, and there's a disconnect from the root to the life sap of the tree, your harvest is over. So it's not what's above the surface that concerns us. It should be what's below the surface in our life that concerns It's the problem is always at the root, and the root I'm talking about is Jesus, and the root that I'm discussing with this morning is our time with him. Our prayer life needs to go to the next level if we want to bear much fruit. We've got to stay connected to the root. Everybody say, Jesus is the great I am. He is what you need him to be in your hour of need. Did you hear me? What, did he, what was he? He was the shout, or he was in the shout during Joseph's, uh, Jacob's, or Joseph's time. What was it? It was Jacob's time, right? When they, when they shouted over the walls of Jericho, come down. He was in the wind that separated the Red Sea so they could walk across on dry ground. He was the wheel in the middle of the wheel in Ezekiel's vision. He was the fourth man in the fire until Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego could not be consumed. This is who he is. He is what you need him to be in your hour. That's what the Bible says. He is the great I am. So we said in closing, we said to not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. And if his name, one of his names is I am, don't take it in vain. So that when you're weak, the Bible says, say, excuse me, say it again, I am strong. Not because I'm anything, it's because he's something. So when I say I am, I'm not excluding him, it's totally included. I mean, I am rich. Why? The rich, the Bible says the weak is strong, and the poor, he says, say, I am rich. And it's not just what you say about him that matters. It's also not just what you am, but what you am not. Amen. So when you get a doctor's report that says you're sick and dying, you say, I am healed. If you if you got a problem with your finances, I am wealthy. I, I, by the way, not just the, I'm not just the head, but I am not the tail. I'm above and I am not beneath. So it's not just who I am in him, but who I am not in myself. I'm here to tell these five people today that you got to wake up and understand that you, you use his name. Use it not in vain, but understand he's paid for everything, taking care of everything. He's looking for somebody to agree with what he's done and walk in this earth as he walked in this earth. Somebody say amen. Give the Lord a shout of praise today.